Now, we're not going to be about, you know, slogans and all this, whatever it may, it may be. Um, the best player going to play, you know, the toughest dude going to play, and uh, ain't no fluff. How bad is number two on it? Calvin Ridley for six. In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons related in the official Atlanta Falcons podcast of the Fan Sided Network. My name is Jesse Head, host of the show, and for this episode, we're going to be getting into our 53-man roster, breaking it down uh, by positional group, going through each player. Um, we're also going to talk about some of the biggest cuts uh, that happened uh, today, Tuesday, which was the mandatory cut down for all NFL teams down to the 53-man roster. So we'll talk about some of those players that were on the bubble um, and that we thought could potentially make this roster and have an impact from a depth standpoint, um, some of those potential development players as well. And then we'll also talk about some of the biggest surprises overall um, with this roster. So I uh, got a lot to get into with talking about all 53 um, players and all these positional groups, so let's get into it. We all hate when we lose our balls in the rough on the golf course. Well, imagine how your girl feels with all those pubes around your pearls. It's a bad look, bro. She does not like it no matter how much she pretends she's okay with it. That's why I'm telling you about Manscaped.com. You've seen the ads and the commercials before. They are the top provider for all your trimming needs to make sure you never nick those pearls down below. They've got a brand new lawnmower 4.0 made specifically for a comfortable trim. This is top of the line stuff, guys. Get the performance package and I can get you 20% off and free shipping using the code FANSIDED20. Inside this package, you'll get their Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker for those annoying ear and nose hairs that you get, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxers, and you're going to get a travel bag uh, to hold all the ball stuff that you've got there in. Now, you're only going to get this deal here at the Heads Up Falcons podcast. So, go to manscaped.com, use that code I told you about, FANSIDED20, for 20% off and free ship. We'll kick things off here talking about some of the biggest cuts that came uh, over the past couple days uh, as the Atlanta Falcons were cutting down to their 53-man roster. Um, and if you've listened to this podcast before, this first name uh, does not come as a surprise to you as the first name on my list is Chris Williamson, the cornerback who's been balling out over the preseason in his second year in the NFL, trying to uh, find his way onto a team uh, permanently. He was cut, um, although throughout the preseason showed a lot of promise. Now, there were several plays getting made on him, um, but he was always in position to make plays, which you've heard me talk about many times. Um, I kind of compared it to A.J. Terrell, um, in that uh, championship game against LSU, um, there were plays constantly being made on him, but he was always in position to make a play. 
Um, and that is the comparison that I had for Chris Williamson this preseason and what he's done. Um, but it, it obviously wasn't enough, and we'll get into it when we get to, to talking about the cornerback groups and why he did not uh, make this group. And another contributor to that was maybe some of the other positional groups and having another player there versus in that cornerback group because they felt good enough with the players that they had uh, or that would be ahead of a Chris Williamson-type player. But he was cut. I do think he finds himself on to the practice squad. But that was a little bit of a shocking one for me um, looking at this 53-man roster. Next up, which came as a big surprise to a lot of people, um, was Caleb Huntley. And Caleb Huntley uh, was one of the people battling for that number four running back spot, if you will, behind a Mike Davis, uh, Corderell Patterson, Quadre Olison, and then it was kind of coming down to Javian Hawkins, and then um, also Caleb Huntley. Javian Hawkins got cut before the third preseason game, and then we find out today that Caleb Huntley does not make the roster. Caleb Huntley was a guy that got a lot of looks. They obviously had extreme interest in him and finding out what his capabilities were, uh, but after seeing everything that they did, they did not think it was enough. In that final preseason game, I think he had like 60% or something like that of the uh, carries from the running back standpoint. So they wanted to get a long, hard look at him. Obviously, it wasn't enough, so they did not keep him on the 53-man roster. He's another player I think finds his way onto the practice squad. Next player on here is another player that I thought would come um, or that would be on the roster um, and, and come to be a guy that could be a development type person, and that was John Rain, the tight end. Um, John Rain was a guy that got a lot of different looks. We saw him getting in with the second team and whatnot um, throughout the preseason and training camp, but ended up not making the roster. And we'll get into why we think that happened as well. Um, the next player on here is Earl Thompson. Inside linebacker guy that was balling. He was kind of battling with Dorian Thompson. So it's not too much of a surprise because, uh, and we'll get into this later as well, but Dorian um, uh, Dorian Etheridge, excuse me, Dorian Etheridge was a guy that made the roster. It was one of the big surprises from a guy, uh, from a standpoint of some of the undrafted free agents that made this roster. And there was only two of those uh, undrafted free agents from this year that made the roster. Um, so that was a surprise in its own sense. But the battle was between Earl Thompson and Dorian Etheridge, which were two of the players that maybe had the best preseasons um, that we saw out of anybody from the defensive side of the ball um, of the players that were competing for a roster spot. But Earl Thompson did not make the roster. I thought potentially that maybe you move one of these or keep one of these guys on the roster. Let them compete for one of those outside linebacker edge spots, uh, or something like that. When you've got you know this type of talent from an undrafted um, undrafted free agent standpoint, that you may find a spot for them. But Earl Thompson, they did not think that they could find a spot for him, and he did not make the roster. I have no doubt he'll end up somewhere. Maybe it's on the practice squad, but he's certainly going to continue to be in the NFL and be a prospect uh, for the teams out there. And then the next one, probably the biggest surprise out of everybody, Willie Beavers uh, tackle. And the reason this is such a surprise to me is because the offensive line is so weak across the board. Um, you would think that they want to keep anybody that they can on this roster. Doesn't mean we're not going to go out there and sign some people. Uh, that's something that I definitely think is going to end up happening over the next couple weeks. We're going to see some movement with this roster. Um, but Willie Beavers did not make the cut. And you would think over several weeks with him being on this roster, competing um, for a spot, knowing the offense and different things like that with the investment that you have in a guy like a Willie Beavers, you'd want to keep him uh, on this roster. But – 
they decided to move on from him and keep the guys that we have, and we'll get into that um, offensive line unit um, in a minute here. Some of the biggest surprises uh, overall with this roster was only keeping three running backs on the roster when a lot of the conversation and talks around it um, was that we'd end up having four running backs on the roster with the amount of competition that we had for that fourth role. You had Javian Hawkins who got cut before that uh, final preseason game. You had Caleb Huntley who ended up with like 60% of the carries in that final preseason game. And then running back Deontay Foreman who was brought in as a free agent um, that had some history with the Tennessee Titans, specifically with Arthur Smith. And none of those guys ended up making uh, the final um, uh, 53-man roster. You only ended up with Mike Davis, um, Corderell Patterson, and then Quadre Olison, um, which is a surprise from the standpoint of what we saw throughout the preseason. But those three guys is a pretty good mix of running backs to Chad, but you still thought that there would probably end up being a fourth guy that ended up making the roster, uh, being that development-type person back there and a uh, person to lean on if – uh, you know, some of these players got injured, but we did not see that. So that was a pretty big surprise overall uh, with this 53-man roster. And then uh, one of the other big ones, and this I got ate up all over Twitter and social media for this, but we only ended up keeping three tight ends, which I was – uh, almost 99% sure that we would end up with four tight ends on this roster with the amount of 12 personnel uh, that uh, Arthur Smith likes to run uh, with keeping two tight ends out there uh, on a regular basis. I think it's about 40 to 45% of the time he would be running 12 personnel. And we still ended up with only three tight ends and six wide receivers. One of the big take that I had uh, that received a lot of um, – I guess negative feedback you could say was that Frank Darby would end up on the practice squad. That was uh, one of the things that I thought uh, was going to end up happening with the way that this 53-man roster would play out. Um, and, and I'm happy about it. this is a good surprise, but Frank Darby ends up making the roster with six wide receivers being on the roster and only three tight ends. I thought that John Rain would be that fourth tight end that ended up making the roster and you'd have Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, um, Lee Smith, Lee Smith being that blocking type uh, tight end, and then John Rain being that fourth tight end in case of injuries. Um, and we did not see that happen. So that was a pretty big surprise for me, but a good surprise um, in the sense that I'm extremely fired up about Frank Darby, his energy, personality that he brings uh, to the wide receiver room and to the team overall. So real pumped up about that. And then another big surprise is three quarterbacks making the roster, um, which is a huge shock, um, and that can transition us into starting to get into some of these positional groups. So we'll talk about the quarterbacks room first here. Uh, Matt Ryan, obviously the guy that's, you know, we don't, if you look at this whole roster, there's one dude you don't have to worry about. It's probably Matt Ryan, um, the most out of everybody than maybe a Calvin Ridley and Grady Jarrett. Um, but Matt Ryan, obviously starting quarterback, no doubt. And then Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks uh, end up making the roster. A lot of people thought only one of these guys would make it. Uh, it was probably split 50-50 between Josh Rosen and Felipe uh, Franks. They both end up making the roster. I don't know if this is set in stone or they get they end up maybe releasing one of these guys and bringing in um, a more of a veteran type. But you've got two younger personalities on here. Josh Rosen obviously has a couple years' experience in the NFL, uh, but it was a shock to see him make this roster. But it, you know, if you watch the preseason game and some of the passes that he was throwing with only 
you know, four days experience in the playbook for the Atlanta Falcons. He was making some incredible passes, made comments um, in the post-game press conference about just, look, he didn't know the playbook that well, and he just had the opportunity to go out there and play. Um, and he performed extremely well, making some really, really, really good passes in um, that final preseason game there. And then Felipe Franks. Um, I, I, I'm really shocked that he made the roster after the showing that he put forth. Obviously, he's a development guy um, for the long haul. He's, he, he's, he's mobile, so he fits the mold of what the NFL is transitioning to from a quarterback standpoint. But keeping both these guys was a little bit of a shock to me. So we'll see where that goes. Um, me personally, looking at this roster and the other weak areas that we have, I don't think I would have kept three running or three quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, but the Falcons chose to do that, and that was uh, a pretty big surprise. Um, a lot of people saying you know, Cam Newton being gone that we should drop one of these guys and go out there and get Cam Newton. This new regiment is not going to start out this their first year with Cam Newton on this roster and Matt Ryan on this roster and having all this talk and questions about who's the starter and the every second Matt Ryan messes up, having media questions about are you going to put Cam Newton in, there's no way in hell that's going to happen. So if you're one of those people that's hoped for that or you're one of those people that's hoping that Cam Newton could come in here and take Matt Ryan's job, that's never going to happen. If there's one sure spot on this roster, and I'm not going to get on my Matt Ryan stand uh, pedestal here, but if there's one person on this roster that you don't have to worry about, it's Matt Ryan. I saw a great tweet from uh, Can't Guard Jake, I believe that's his handle on Twitter, um, with um, Sports Talk ATL. He said, if you need an oil change and a new battery on a car, you don't go and fix the transmission. If you don't understand the, te- the terminology, Matt Ryan is the transmission. The transmission is probably the most expensive thing to fix in a car. We're not going and changing the one thing that, that operates this whole entire unit um, that's working pretty damn well um, when we have other areas that need to be addressed. Um, so Matt Ryan's the guy. We're not going and getting a Cam Newton. Neither one of these guys are going to skyrocket and take Matt Ryan's spot unless an injury happens, knock on wood. Um, but that's our quarterback situation. We got three guys in there. That was a shock. Um, but that's the quarterback situation going in to the 2021 season uh, with this 53-man roster. Looking at the running backs group here, uh, Mike Davis, obviously our bit, probably the biggest signing that we have for this new regimen in the offseason. Behind him, Corderell Patterson, um, and then Quadre Olison, and then technically we have four running backs on the roster with Keith Smith being disrespected and listed as a running back, but he's a fullback. Um, so really, you got three running backs here. Um, this is a this is a solid group overall. We don't know what Mike Davis is going to do. He's you know other than last year when Christian McCaffrey got injured, Mike Davis got you know, throttled into a starting running back role and fared pretty well for himself. So this new regiment has a lot of faith in him being able to run in. Um, this lean on the run um, offense that they, you know, I think they plan on doing. However, I think we're going to see a little bit more passing than people realize. In the sense that Arthur Smith said he's going to gear this offense to 
what the personnel is. And the personnel says you pass first with what we have um, here. And um, I think Mike Davis is going to surprise people a little bit and be better than what you think he may end up being um, with the skill set that he has. He's as big as he is. He's a dual threat guy. He can receive. He, you know, he can receive out of the backfield. He can run. He can do a lot of different things. So Mike Davis is going to be a surprise. Corderell Patterson is going to be a fun guy to see how they use him and how they work with him. He's a person that can line up all over the field. Um, including at running back, slot, out wide. He can do a lot of different things, so he'll be fun to watch. And then Quadre Olison, we'll just have to see how that goes and what their game plan is for him. Um, but he's on this, uh, you know, obviously he's on there in case something happens to a Mike Davis or something like that. Um, but Quadre Olison, uh, they believe enough in him uh, to be one of the, the uh, guys that was considered to be on the bubble for the roster overall from the previous regimen that this new regimen decided to say, hey, we see something good enough here. We want to keep him uh, on this roster. So there's our running backs room. Tight ends, no doubt. Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst at the top. It's going to be an incredible one-two punch. A lot of people uh, saying that this next group here, the wide receivers group, is is weak. But when you look at the tight ends group and the amount of 12 personnel that we're going to be running, when you have a Kyle Pitts and a Hayden Hurst, generational talent and Kyle Pitts uh, from a receiving standpoint, and then Hayden Hurst, he would start on a lot of teams out there for, as their tight end. He would be the starting tight end on many other NFL teams um, right now. Um, and we've got this one-two punch here. So when you put all these guys in a mix together, our wide receiver room doesn't look as bad as people uh, – or the I don't want to say wide receiver room, but the receiving department overall doesn't look that bad. And then Lee Smith being the third guy in the tight end room, being um, that blocking type – uh, tight end uh, that can be in there on 12 personnel um, as a disguise for runs and being in there when we are definitely uh, running the ball. Um, and even when we go 13 personnel sometimes, which Arthur Smith has shown he is not afraid to do, he'll put three tight ends out there at a time. So um, those three tight ends, is a, that's a solid group on this team. One of the better groups um, overall on this roster, on this 53-man roster. Wide receivers room, again, a lot of people making some comments about this being a weaker room for us. I, I'm i not buying that. I think we have a solid group of wide receivers here. With Calvin Ridley at the top, you've got somebody that has the potential to be an elite talent in the NFL. Some people already think he's an elite player, especially from a route running standpoint and the ability to create separation at the top of his routes. Then Russ Gage being that number two spot um, on this roster. I had somebody say, well, I, I'm not sure if I trust Russell Gage yet because he he has not hit 1,000 yards yet. He has not been asked to do that yet. So I, I don't understand that logic of 1,000 of yards being the marker for number two receivers being good enough or not. <clears throat> Russell Gage has been extremely reliable, especially last year. He'll continue to be reliable this year. Russell Gage is a solid number two receiver. A lot of people would love to have a Russell Gage um, on their roster in their wide receiver room. Um, now, you talk about putting 12 personnel out there. You've got Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage at wide receiver, then Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. That's a solid group right there that you, you know, with, or with Mike Davis at running back and Cordero, or Cordero Patterson at running back. That type of personnel is. That's a, that's a, you've got to worry from a defensive standpoint of who you're going to cover, um, and if you double cover somebody, h- how in the hell are you going to be able to stop these guys? So that's a solid group. 
um, I think, from a receiving department standpoint. And then uh, after Russell Gage, you've got uh, Almade Zacchaeus, uh, Christian Blake, Tajay Sharp, and then the surprise for me being Frank Darby being that number six guy um, in the wide receivers room. So that uh, was a uh, was a, again a big, awesome, good surprise uh, you know, for uh, w- when looking at this 53-man roster. Um, again, man, you know I look at this group and it, it's hard to just look at this group and only see those wide receivers when you've got a Kyle Pitts who probably. 50% of the time is not going to be lined up at your traditional tight end spot next to the tackle. We're going to see him at slot. We're going to see him out wide. We're going to see him used in a, a lot of different areas uh, to create mismatches and different things like that. So when you look at that, our attack through the air is solid. Um, so I, I feel extremely confident from a passing standpoint going into this season. Now, protecting Matt Ryan – that's another thing, and that leads me into our offensive line here. Tackles listed on this roster, Jake Matthews, which you know I wouldn't consider him a, a great all-time you know tackle or anything like that, but he's extremely reliable, and we know that he shows up and plays well um, most of the time um, on that offensive line. Behind him is, uh, or not behind him, but opposite of him is Caleb McGarry um, at the right tackle position. And then behind those guys as a uh, backup is Jason Spriggs, which his showing in the preseason was god-awful. Um, so you fear if injuries happen that you've got some serious depth issues from the tackle standpoint. Um, and it doesn't end there. So only three tackles on, on that roster. Then you go over to the guards. You've got Chris Lindstrom at right guard. And then at left guard, you've got what I'm hearing right now I saw a tweet again. It's Twitter. You don't know any, you know, it's a cesspool out there on Twitter. But at left guard, I've heard that Josh Andrews is the guy that they have pinned to start right now. I I, I pray to God that it's Jalen Mayfield, even though Jalen Mayfield showing wasn't that good. But you know, again, the bar I'm 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 holding is Josh Andrews, which is not very good. And then, so you've got those guys: so Chris Lindstrom, Josh Andrews, and Jalen Mayfield for those guard spots, and then Drew Dahlman. Um, so you look across that list there, not very good. Um, definitely an area of concern, even from a starting standpoint, you start getting into depth and injuries and things like that. We're going to be in big trouble, um, from the interior offensive line. And then at center, Matt Hennessy, um, I have some pretty high hopes for Matt Hennessy, especially with the amount of trust that this new regimen has put into Matt Hennessy with as much competition and earn your spot as they preached throughout this preseason. He was the one guy that from the get-go, they had locked in to be that starting center spot. There was really no competition for the center spot. Matt Hennessy was always that guy. We thought that we'd see a battle between Matt Hennessy and Drew Dahlman. Drew Dahlman, from the get-go, has kind of been pinned in that conversation of the guard spot. Now, I definitely think he's the backup center if something happens um, to Matt Hennessy, um, but his showing at guard wasn't promising. It wasn't really promising either. The, the person I have the most faith in is Jalen Mayfield, and trust me, it's not that much faith. Um, it's just so bad at that interior uh, area that it's the only person I've got to turn to out of this group. Don't be surprised if, as we go through... Um, these next couple weeks, this next week even, that we signed some some. There's some changes from this 53-man roster to add some more depth um, at the offensive line. 
um, because this is an area of definite concern. Um, Switching over here to the defensive side of the ball, uh, we'll get into our defensive line. Now, these guys are going to line up all over the place, from your zero tech to your three tech to your five tech. We're going to see them in a lot of different areas. Um, Grady Jarrett, who I feel really, really good about going into the season, as I always do, but really good in the sense that I'm thinking possibly 10 sacks this year. This could be that year where he really breaks out and those sack numbers really climb to the top with the influence of Dean Pease um, on this defense and putting him in positions to be successful, running stunts and twists and different things like like that across the defensive line um, to put Grady Jarrett in uh, mismatches from the offensive line standpoint and get him back there rushing that passer. Tyler Davison um, is a guy that we're going to see mainly play that zero tech, I believe, um, right right in front of the center or off the center. Um, and back to, real quick, back to Grady Jarrett. Well, I think we'll see him play three tech off the guard. I think we'll play, see him play fi- uh, even get out at five tech, um, playing right on the uh, the tackles. So we're going to see him line up in a lot of different areas, and that's again one of the many reasons I see him having a, a true breakout year in comparison to his previous years uh, from a sack numbers standpoint. Other player that flashed a lot in the preseason, Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson, out of all the players uh, on this roster, probably had the best preseason overall with the things that he did um, out there. Extremely impressive. Showing for him in the preseason, I was really impressed. He lined up in a lot of different areas. I even saw him line up in some zero tech, which I don't think we'll see too much of that in the regular season. I think we'll see him a lot at that three tech and five tech. You know, in college, uh, he played a lot of five tech. And even standing up on the outside is kind of that edge rusher edge rusher personality. I think we could see that here as well. So we'll see a lot of mix of these guys all over the place as far as the defensive line goes. That's why I'm, I'm – um, kind of straying away from considering these guys defensive tackles or defensive ends or different things like that just because of the way this defense is going to be run. It's going to be very unique in how uh, we line these guys up in the different areas we see them. It's going to be hard to keep up with, too, where these guys are lining up across the defensive line from a technique standpoint. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then John Kaminsky is next up on this defensive line list here. Um, John Kaminsky... Everybody has a ton of high hopes for him, and he has a lot of potential, all the potential in the world. I think we'll see him at that three-tech. I think we'll see him at that five-tech. I don't think we'll ever see him at the uh, zero-tech or anywhere around that center. Um, But that three-tech and five-tech, this is a solid group when you look at it overall. There's a lot of potential here. And then you've got Grady Jarrett leading this bunch. It's solid. And then Taquan Graham, our, uh, I believe, fifth-round pick in the 2021 draft is on here. And then Jonathan Bullard. Jonathan Bullard. Um, had a solid a solid preseason as well. So these um, seven guys, I believe, one, two, three, four, five, six, excuse me, six guys, this is a solid group uh, across the defensive line um, with Grady Jarrett leading leading the bunch in the show that we've seen from Marlon Davidson and John Kaminsky. A lot of potential here, a lot of talent. How they're going to fit in well with this defensive front seven that we have. And that leads me into the, um, the edge or outside linebackers, if you will, um, I've separated these guys into the strong side uh, linebacker role, the Sam linebacker role, and then that Jack slash Leo um, outside linebacker role. Um, starting out this group here, Dante Fowler. 
Dante Fowler, I see him. I have a hard, you know, there's some people that are still have a question mark on him. I just have a hard time believing that he will not be successful with the influence of Dean Pease and what he brings to the table uh, from a defensive standpoint. He's going to find ways to put Dante Fowler in successful situations. Um, you look at what he did at the Rams. He played a very similar role at the Rams, uh, and he was very successful in it with a power um, – powerful type defensive tackle that has a lot of star power in Aaron Donald being there here. That's Grady Jarrett. I think he'll bounce, he'll play off of him and they're going to bounce back and forth on each other with the amount of pressure they put in and they're going to feed off of one another. Um, so I think that Dante Fowler has a pretty solid year. Um, this year, I think at least you know, six, seven sacks, um, you know, the expectation with what we're paying him and everything is that he surpasses eight sacks, and I think that's definitely possible. Um, but he'll be playing that jack role, um, which is normally in this type of defense, this pass rush specialist, um, which we talked about in previous episodes. Um, next up on this list, opposite of Dante Fowler would be that strong side linebacker role. For those not understanding the terminology and what I'm talking about when I say strong side linebacker, that Sam linebacker, the strong side linebacker lines up on the strong side of the offensive line, normally where the tight end is lined up. They line up opposite of that person. Um, he will uh, – Jacob Tutti Mar- Mariner seems to be the guy and is – I think he is the guy uh, that's going to be in that role opposite of Dante Fowler. Um, next up on there and, – and, and I'll say this, you know, Jacob is one of those guys that people are extremely high on. I'm high on him. Um, I'm not as high on him as I am when you look across our, you know, line, our starting linebacker core. He's probably the weakest guy on the unit, but people have a lot of high hopes for him, and he has a lot of potential. Uh, so I'm interested to see what he does this year, um, but I believe he'll be starting come game one against the Eagles in a couple weeks as that Sam uh, linebacker. Next up on this uh, outside linebacker list, Brandon Copeland. I think he is also a Sam linebacker. He'll be backing up uh, Jacob Tootie Mariner. Brandon Copeland has a guy that's got some experience in the NFL. Uh, he fits in well into that Sam linebacker role, being able to cover the tight end and also being able to play the run um, and do the different things. He can blitz as well. Uh, Brandon Copeland had a, sh- a solid showing um, you know, throughout the preseason and throughout the training camp. Uh, there was a lot of positive talk for, about him from the coaches and everything. Next up, a guy that Atlanta is extremely familiar with, Stephen Means. Um, I think he or uh, he plays into that jack role. Um, he's a guy that can blitz. He's a guy that can do a lot of different things, and he's been a journeyman in the NFL. Um, you know, he's played for the Falcons for years in the past, and you know he's always been somebody that's been reliable. Whether he's been a depth guy. Um, taking up somebody's spot that got injured, uh, special teams, whatever it may be. Steven Means has always been a guy that has stepped up to the plate for Atlanta um, and been a solid journeyman. So, um, you know, God forbid if something happened to Dante Fowler, Steven Means is a guy that I think can plug and play um, and be a, a player that um, can can uh, hold, hold his own out there um, in that uh, jack role, blitzing the quarterback. And then – my favorite player, for me, it's Ogundeji season. Adeto Ogundeji, 
our uh, one of our draft picks um, in the 2021 draft is also um, playing kind of that jack role. I think we'll see. I think we could possibly even see him at some Sam, but I think his specialty and what they're going to their game plan and development for him is blitzing the quarterback. And Ogundeji has all of the skill set in the world. To me, he's um, like a extremely talented and educated. Uh, you know, superintendent on a job site, construction terminology here, recruiting uh, here. Um, but uh, to me, he's like an ex- extremely talented superintendent or project manager, whatever you want to say. And he just needs the tools uh, to do his job. And once he is given the tools to do his job, he's going to be extremely successful. And by tools, I mean the ability, the pass rush moves that he needs to have. He, you know, he has the strength, he has the size, um, he has the speed. He just needs to learn a couple moves. All he's doing is going out there and bull rushing, and that works in college. But you got to have a spin move. You got to have a chop. You got to have a swim. You got to have all these different um, pass rush moves in order to be a great pass rusher. One of the things that you'll see when you watch a guy like a Von Miller or um, any of these other great, you know, Miles Garrett, any of these great pass rushers, J.J. Watt, all of them, they've all, if you watch their film in one game where they have multiple sacks, you're going to see a bunch of different moves that got them back there to the quarterback. And that's what Ogundeji has to do. And I've got a lot of high hopes. It's been a long time, a long time since I've had extremely high hopes for a um, a lower tier draft pick to be a great pass rusher in the NFL, not just a good one. I mean, a great one. And I think Ogundeji can be one of those guys that can be a great pass rusher once he is given the tools uh, to do the job. Uh, moving over to our inside linebackers. So we talked about this on a previous episode. Foise Aluikin moves over to that middle linebacker role, that Mike linebacker role. Um, where Deion Jones played in previous defenses. Um, he's been moved over to the wheel, uh, the weak linebacker role, uh, weak side linebacker role, um, and Deion Jones will now play that role, which consists of a lot of covering the running back, uh, covering tight ends, sometimes even drifting out covering the slot, depending on the defense and personnel that we have out there. Um, but Deion Jones has been moved over to that spot. These are two guys that this is undoubtedly the strongest positional group on this team. The inside linebackers in this defense are an extremely strong unit. I think our pass rush this year, I think our front seven is going to surprise a lot of people um, in how good they're going to be in the 2021 season. Um, Deion Jones has been put in a position to use his skill set to the best of his ability, that speed that he has, that sideline-to-sideline speed, that ability to cover. Um, There's a lot of statistics out there talking about how Deion Jones is one of the best uh, cover – excuse me – cover linebackers in the NFL. And Foise playing that middle linebacker role with all that power and everything that he has and his ability to play the run um, and also cover as well. These two linebackers are – uh, are two of the best. Um, this is one of the best tandems, I think, in the NFL right now, um, only behind a few out there. And then backing up those guys from the weak side linebacker standpoint is Michael Walker, who I think can play both of those. He can play the Mike role. He can play the weak side role as well. He performed extremely well throughout the preseason. So that's a solid backup. Honestly, the only problem that you have here is finding ways to get Michael Walker uh, on the field. If only you could start more of these inside linebackers and find places for them to be successful out there all at once. Um, 
Michael Walker is a player that's extreme. It's done extremely well um, over the past couple years, and he fits in extremely well um, with this type of defense playing in those in those middle linebacker type roles, those inside linebacker type roles. And then this is a guy that I talked about when uh, from standout players throughout the preseason on previous episodes, Dorian Etheridge. Um, he makes the roster, which was a surprise. Um, we talked about it earlier that Earl is kind of a battle between Earl Thompson and him. It was kind of a shock that he ended up making this roster. Um, his performance certainly warrants it. Just did not know that we'd keep um, a Dorian uh, Etheridge type guy on this roster. Thought he might end up being a guy that goes to the practice squad. Um, but he makes the roster and um, is certainly a reliable backup if something happened to the pr- uh, previous guys mentioned. Um, so inside linebacker, uh, solid group for us. Cornerbacks here getting in um, to an area that's a little bit of a concern. Um, well, not a little bit, a, a lot of a concern. But uh, A.J. Terrell topping out this group, which he's a guy that makes a big leap this year. Um, he had an incredible uh, rookie year, and this season has really kind of taken on a leadership, a leadership role um, in the cornerbacks room. A lot of people um, talking about whether you're listening to 92.9, ESPN, um, any type of Falcons uh, network or coverage out there. Everybody is believing that A.J. Terrell makes a jump to being one of the top-tier cornerbacks in the NFL today. Um, and there's nothing that, that – there's no evidence that says otherwise. Um, A.J. Terrell has been incredible. He has an incredible skill set with him. Um, he's been going against top wide receivers between Julio Jones last year and Calvin Ridley and then this year Calvin Ridley um, and also now going up against giants like um, a Kyle Pitts. Uh, the guy's constantly being challenged to be a better version of himself, and I think he goes out there and has an incredible year um, in uh, this uh, this upcoming season here. Opposite of him, Fabian Moreau, who's been coined the, uh, the starter for the other outside um, cornerback role. Fabian Moreau, we've talked about him before. He has some history with the Washington football uh, team. Worst thing that he's gone up against is just having a lot of talent around him and not getting the opportunity to start. Um, he finally gets that opportunity. We don't know what we have there, though. Um, we've seen a small sample size of his abilities uh, on the field. Um, so that's an area of concern just from the standpoint of the unknown. We just don't know what we have in Fabian Moreau quite yet, um, but we're definitely going to find out in a couple weeks up against the Eagles. Um, not a very strong receiving core, however, um, but uh, we'll get to see what his abilities are um, up against them. But he is definitely the starter opposite of A.J. Terrell at the other outside corner role. And then the slot corner role, which we'll see a lot of whoever this man ends up being. It seems to be Isaiah Oliver. Um, you know, as everyone knows out there, the nickel package is the the package that you run the most of in the NFL. Um, that's the uh, with as much passing as there is in the NFL today. Um, the the nickel uh, package is is the uh, the package that is normally played the most in the NFL uh, these days. Um, so your slot corner has become a more and more and more important role um, in your defense. And right now, it's looking like Isaiah Oliver is going to be that guy. Um, and he has had a pretty good training camp from what we've seen. Um, we got to see him in the last preseason game a little bit. Def- defense looked pretty solid other than a really bad pass interference call on A.J. Terrell, um, but Isaiah Oliver seems to be the guy um, for that slot role. And then um, next up, Kendall Sheffield, um, who 
is a guy that um, I'm pretty high on. I think everybody's pretty high on. Um, I think he's a backup to any of these roles and a rotational player to any of these roles, whether it's the outside corner role or the slot corner role. Next up, one of our draft picks here in the 2021 draft, Darren Hall, um, who is uh, the fifth person on this uh, cornerbacks list. And then next up, punt returner specialist, and I believe now punt returner starter, uh, Avery Williams, um, who's another one of our 2021 NFL draft picks. So this is a room that runs deep, um, but um, not in talent, you could say. Um, we've got a lot of guys that have potential um, there um, and can be used in good situations, but a, definitely a weaker positional group um, that DMPs is going to have to find ways um, to scheme this defense into their favor um, because um, this is a group that if Fabian Moreau is not as advertised, um, this is a defensive group that's going to struggle a lot. And, you know, you look across the defense with the front seven that we have, the the cornerbacks are certainly – defensive backs overall are going to be the weaker unit um, for us going into this, this season, but specifically the cornerbacks. Um, so we'll have to see how that pans out. So definitely an area of concern. And then uh, safeties here – now, Dean, P- I did not really separate these from a free safety to strong safety standpoint just because of the type of defense that Dean Pease likes to run. Um, he does a lot of different things with his safeties. He's very versatile with them, as he likes to say, is uh, multiple, or the way he says it, multiple. Um, he, uh, he likes to use his safeties in a lot of different ways. Now, looking at this list, you can kind of tell what type of people they're going to be and what role they're going to play in this defense. Um, one of the things Dean Pease likes to do, I mean, he really likes to mix it up in a lot of different ways, but he'll play a cover one deep um, where he puts one safety deep in the middle of the field and usually does some crazy blitzing or different things like that. He's not afraid to do cover two, um, which is one of the more popular things to run in the NFL today in the sense that it pushes everything towards the middle of the field, which tends to be safer than letting people get to the outside um, of your defense, but cover two, obviously. And then he does some cover three as well. Um, the way we'll use a Deron Harmon, who was one of our uh, bigger defensive offseason signings, Deron Harmon is your traditional safety. Um, he is not one that normally comes in the box. You're not going to see him blitzing. You're not going to see him doing a lot of crazy things. He is a traditional roaming free safety, playing the zone, playing the deep zone, um, and uh, trying to be a ball hawk. And if you go and look at his film, um, that's normally what he's doing. He did it successfully for a long time for the New England pa- New England Patriots um, under Bill Belichick. Next up on this list, Eric Harris, um, who's done, if you go and look at his film, he's done a lot of different things. He's been versatile, but what really works for him is being more so in the box, playing um, kind of that 10-yard deep um, safety type role. He wasn't extremely successful um, with the, with the uh, Las Vegas playing kind of that free-roaming safety role. They kind of misuse his abilities um, in Las Vegas um, with the Raiders, so I think he'll play that. And then we've got two players here that can do a little bit of both. They can get inside the box. They can play the slot. They can play free safety. And that's what really works for Dean P's defense. It's one of the things that makes his defense so special is having players like this that can do a lot of different things that when a quarterback um, you know, rolls out there and he's looking at what the defense has lined up, he doesn't know what these players are doing. And those two players are obviously Jalen Hawkins, 
who had an incredible uh, preseason, was flying all over the field doing a lot of different things, whether it was in the zone, whether it was um, man-to-man coverage, whether it was blitzing. He had probably the the biggest, probably the best um, play uh, uh, from the preseason from a defensive standpoint with that sack up the middle where we blitzed uh, pretty much an all-out blitz and then late uh, on a delayed blitz brought Jalen Hawkins up the middle uh, through that A-gap to sack the quarterback with a big hit. And then uh, Richie Grant, who I have my concerns. Y'all heard me voice my concerns with the amount of playing time that he's been getting. Now, that could have been a product of the fact that this new regimen had seen enough in practice to say, hey, this is a solid guy. We don't need to put him in the preseason. We don't need to get him injured. He's going to be a vital point. The other side of that is, is he not playing because he's not um, – is he not getting out there because he's not understanding the playbook? Is he not is is he not as advertised? Is he not as good as we thought he was? Whatever it may be, um, but that last preseason game kind of showed me that they have a lot of confidence in him, a confidence in him. They put him out there with the starters. Um, he was mixing uh, with those guys, the second team as well, and playing extremely well. So I think we're going to see a lot of him. That's going to be an interesting one to watch. Uh, in the Eagles game, and really the first two or three games, is finding out how much playing time and rotational time is a Richie Grant and Hawkins getting within this group. Um, Are we going to see mainly just Deron Harmon and Eric Harris, or are we going to see these other Jalen Hawkins and a Richie Grant mixing into the group? And probably the biggest surprise on the roster overall um, is TJ Green. TJ Green's a safety that played well in the um, preseason He's a player that's um, had a lot of positive things coming out of camp about his abilities in training camp and in practice. Um, and TJ Green was one of the guys uh, that ended up making this roster. A lot of people very happy for him. A lot of people high on his personality from the players to the media um, to the coaches. Everybody really liked TJ Green and what he excuse me, brings to the table. So TJ Green um, was a uh, one of the bigger surprises um, on this roster uh, to make the team, uh, or excuse me, to make the 53-man roster. And then kicker, uh, Youngway Koo, uh, the most reliable kicker in the NFL. Um, punter, uh, Cameron Nizialek, I believe that's how you say that name. Uh, he's a new, punter, a new punter for us after Sterling Hoffrichter got injured and was put on the injured reserves and then uh, eventually waived. And then our kick returner, Corderell Patterson, and then punt returner, Avery Williamson, um, makes uh, this uh, group. Another guy that I did not mention, speaking of punt returners, um, that was cut is Chris Rowland. Um, who, if you're uh, a Falcon fan that pays attention, he's been kind of a bigger name for us uh, in the past. Um, he was kind of a guy in the previous years, in the previous year, uh, that was competing for that punt returner spot, but ended up not making it, and they went with more of a reliable punt returner um, instead of taking a chance on somebody that could be a threat. Um, but Chris William, uh, Chris Williams did not, or excuse me, Chris Rowland did not make this roster, and Avery Williamson did make the roster, which is exciting um, because one thing that the previous regimen did not do was. Um, go with the maybe more riskier punt returner, uh, but more reward in their ability to make a big uh, punt return or kick return. And it's looking like, if you look at this roster, that our punt returner is going to end up being uh, Avery Williamson. And then long snapper Josh Harris, he's been here for a long time, extremely reliable uh, long snapper. But overall, um, 
I think this roster is going to surprise people in some areas, but the weaker areas that we have are going to be tough. Uh, obviously, the best area, uh, best group, positional group that we have is that inside linebackers um, group. Got a lot of talent there. We're going to see a lot of big plays come from them, especially with them blitzing. And uh, they'll feed off of the defensive line with Grady Jarrett, some of these other guys. And then our defensive line will feed off of what these inside linebackers are capable of doing as well. Uh, so that front seven on the defensive side of the ball is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I think that's going to be one of the positive surprises. Um, it's no surprise here that the worst group is the offensive line. That's going to be an extremely tough um, thing to overcome. But you can scheme um, for having a weak offensive line. There's things that you can do to make it work. And I think that Arthur Smith, over the past couple years, the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans has shown the ability to scheme the right way to fit his personnel. Um, offensive line is one of the hardest things in the NFL to overcome for any coach, um, for any type of scheming. It's the most difficult thing to overcome and be successful with, um, but it's possible. Um, and I could be completely wrong. We could go out there. And I have a, a whole entire episode on this podcast dedicated to, you know, we're with this title dedicated to this. But cohesiveness across the offensive line is the most important thing. You look back at our Super Bowl year run, we our, our offensive line was not even shored up until a week before the season started, the regular season started. We went out there, remember, we traded and signed Andy Levitri, I believe from the Tennessee Titans, signed him plugged him in there, and then this offensive line after a couple weeks just started gelling. They started playing cohesive football. None of them were pro bowlers. None of them were all pros. They just worked together, cohesiveness, and ended up being an offensive line that was um, useful. They were resourceful, and they worked. Um, and it's very possible that this, I don't think it's going to be this year, but this line could work to be some type of personality like that. Um but they've got to develop that. One thing you got to be is you got to be nasty, um, and we're going to need this offensive line to get an edge about them if they're going to be one of those groups that's successful um, because the talent is certainly a concern. So, um, you know, this is going to be a group that um, has uh, – or excuse me, this whole entire roster, this is going to be a roster that's going to have its holes and things like that. Um, but here's the thing. A lot of negativity from the fans about the roster we got two weeks until the season starts. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to shit on this roster. But now is not the time. Okay, We, we haven't seen any of these guys play in the, regular, in the regular season under this new regimen. Haven't seen them play it down yet. We haven't seen them in this new scheme. We don't know what they're capable of. We know they're all healthy right now. And we get to see them go out there, and we're going to see what these guys have. But if you're one of those people that's already being negative about this roster and what they're capable of doing, you're getting way ahead of yourself. You're choosing to be unhappy when this is a time to have optimism. There, again, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for you to be miserable and mad about this roster. But now we still got two weeks to be excited and optimistic about what these people are capable of. So take that negative shit somewhere else and just be excited about what we have here because there are some bright spots. There's some negative spots. There's some bright spots as well. Uh, but this new regimen um, gets to go out there with a clean slate. They haven't won a game or lost a game in Atlanta since they've been here. And we get to go out there and we get to see um, what these guys have. So I'll, I'll close with this. Be excited about this roster while you can.
All right, guys, that's a wrap on this episode of the Heads Up Podcast. Make sure you subscribe or follow on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. If you're on Apple, make sure you leave a five-star written review. It helps out the podcast a ton. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Heads Up Falcons. You can find me on Instagram, at Atlanta Falcons Podcast. Make sure you follow me. Hit me up, man. Let me know what you thought. Let me know what you want to hear on the next episodes, and I'll be sure to make sure that I feature some of the topics that you send my way. A big shout-out to my producer. Thanks for all the hard work and editing that you put in on the podcast. Everybody out there, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.